God is good. Amen. Amen. God is good. Um, we uh, we had a bit of a roundtable last week about closing off the license to kill. Uh, that was fun. Did you guys enjoy that series? Hey. Uh, we're moving on to something very, very interesting, probably in about maybe two weeks' time. Um, but in the meantime, we thought, you know what, after completing this ego series, all right, it would be fitting to uh, touch on what we mentioned last week, you know, about uh, the biblical disciplines, you know, and understanding why God put all these instructions in place um, for all of us to follow daily. Are you guys with me? And uh, it's important to understand because uh, I think uh, we were talking yesterday when you were having a, a chat uh, with a young lady, you know, and it was about relationships and stuff. And, uh, and Deez was saying how, listen, no, no, God's just going to bring me the right one. You know, of course, you know, God's going to bring you the right one. It's like, we're not saying no to that, right? But what's important to remember is that if you in your own heart have not set the template for what it should be, you are not going to see the right thing in front of you. Are you guys with me? And this morning, we're going to talk about the importance of the word. Everyone, look at the person next to you. Say, the word. Say, hey, the word is the most important thing in our lives. It's a bit annoying when you go one word at a time, eh? <laughs> It's like, bash, hurry up, dude. Like, geez. You know, but, uh, but we're talking about the word this morning. And um, I use that example uh, now about, you know, that relationship situation, but it's really with anything in life, you know. And over the years, it's been flipped to be the, 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 the sort of converse of that is that people think, okay, if I write it down, that's going to make it happen, right? Or the other extreme is God will make it happen. Are you with me? Both are wrong, okay, because both are extreme. There is a middle ground that every single one of us need to understand, Right? And that middle ground is, as we've always explained it, is that, you know, there is always our accountability that we have. And part of that accountability is to be led by God. Are you guys with me? We have to be, we have to submit our will to God's will. Amen? Thank you, Father. Yes, see, Manchester United is featuring again. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Are we still winning? Are we still losing? Are we winning? Yes, see, look at us. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Yeah, you thought I was going to sing Man United. No, well, not in church. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so are, are you guys with me? It is that accountability that we have. And, you know, it's interesting enough in, in so many different areas of our lives, we will pick and choose, you know, what we want to go after and what we want to allow God to do. Are you with me? And, um, and that principle actually gets us into a lot of trouble, you know. And I want to read, uh, read Joshua 1. There are <laughs> It's Dylan. He's, he's jumping between seats at the back there. Thanks, Dylan. Yeah, way to go, boy. <laughs> Let's go to Joshua chapter 1. Now, you guys know this, this, this thing like, like back of your hand, you know. Yo, everyone knows this. Every person had this on their, um, what do you call this thing? On their wall or whatever for many, many, many years, right? Yeah, since the 90s, I think, you know. And they, they always get to verse 8, but we're going to start at verse 1, all right? We're going to start at verse 1. You can give me NIV. Are you guys okay this morning? You good? Right. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Cecilia. <laughs> Thank you for reassuring us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So, uh, okay. So, this is obviously um, about Joshua in the book of Joshua. Woo. Right. So, it says there, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, 
son of Nun, Moses' aide, said, Moses, my servant is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses, right? Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, uh, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. You think God's trying to emphasize something to Joshua? Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Amen? Now, this is the one everyone, obviously, we know as well. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do what is written in it. Then what? Then you will be prosperous and successful. Right. Now, we've got to deal with something very, very delicate here because like those two extremes that I mentioned before, people read this and it's like, okay, the key to being successful, right, is I've got to do everything the Word of God says. I've got to do everything that's there. I've got to hold, you know, hold it close. I've got to meditate on it. I've got to do all these things, Right? Right? You guys understanding that? Cool. But the extreme that people take it to is that this is the key for blessing. This is the key for God's favor. This is the key for God's presence, God's approval, all these things. But we just read in the previous seven verses that God says, listen, I'm with you. I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. Right? You are going to be blessed and prosperous. I'm with you. I have already promised you an inheritance. This is what God's telling to Joshua. Right? So God's not telling Joshua something to do to earn it, to make sure that it comes through, you know, all that stuff. What God is explaining to Joshua is saying, Joshua, listen, you're still accountable for you. Understand something. If, you, if, if, if we go this path and I, I'm going to fulfill my part, I'm going I'm to fulfill my promise, I'm going to give you everything that I said I would. I'm going to lead you into the promised land. But just understand something, if you don't hold to my way of doing it, right, you are going to be the one to forsake it. Hello? 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 Thank you. I know you guys are listening very intently, okay? (laughs) And he says, uh, yeah, so be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Now, you see... People who don't understand faith, righteousness, they don't understand the principle of spirit and flesh. They don't understand what the finished work of Jesus has command, or, uh, is, is communicating to us and what it accomplished. All right? What they do is, is that they start using uh, that instruction as a fleshly tool. Mm-hmm. That instruction becomes, okay, I've got I to gotta do it right. Otherwise, you know, I lose everything. But what, how are you going to lose everything? It's not that you're going to stop God from giving it to you. You're going to lose it because you're going to destroy it walking in the flesh. Hello. Anyone who has experienced chaos in their lives, God didn't do it to you. All right? And don't come and quote Job to me. Job was not speaking a truth. God even corrected him later in that book. Okay? God did not do it to you because everything, every promise in Christ is yes and amen. 
Because of Jesus, God only has good for you. Every promise is fulfilled in Jesus and every single one of us is in him. Are you with me? Right? But right here, they were about to walk into the promised land. God says to Joshua, Joshua, firstly, he says, be strong and more courageous, very courageous. And then in, in, in verse 7, we read, you know, um, obey the law of my servant Moses. Don't turn from it, left or right, that you may be successful wherever you go. Verse 8, keep it always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Now, ladies and gents, what God is saying over here is that, listen, hold to my way and you will protect what I have given you. Just because God gave it to you doesn't just mean it's just going to carry on by itself, right? You don't have to maintain it, but you have to protect it. Hello? Amen. God could be opening a doorway for you in business, right? And that is a great opportunity that you may have. And you see, yes, this is amazing, unbelievable. But you're going to walk through that door and you're not going to be diligent. And you're not going to have the honor for the vision that God has given you. And you're just going to squander it. Are you going to end up blaming God that your business failed? No, you're not. And it works the same with every area in life. Are you guys with me? Now, there's a principle of prophecy. Now, let's talk about prophecy for a second. Okay. Sorry, did you want to jump in here anytime? No, 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 you good? No, okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just like going here. Okay. <laughs> um, how many of you know what prophecy is? All right. Now, typically we understand is like, you know, the guy in the very floral suit with the very shiny shoes comes up here and says, you, sir, the Lord is speaking to me right now. Take your wallet out. Take your wallet out. Let me see. That bank card, the red bank card. These are the numbers on it. I am prophesying in the name of the Lord. You guys know all of that? Rubbish, all of it. Garbage, right? The Bible tells us that the testimony of Christ is the spirit of prophecy. Amen? That's in Revelation? Yeah, Revelation, okay? Now, why prophecy? Okay, now when we look in the Old Testament, right, the first prophecy was done in Genesis 3, right? Because Genesis 3 was the first testimony of Christ. After Adam and Eve fell in the garden, uh, fell, didn't fall, they rebelled, okay? They didn't just trip. Uh, no, they didn't do that, okay? <laughs> I'm sorry, that was a bit of a weird, yeah. <laughs> Help me, yeah, man. Yeah, okay, anyway. You just reminded me, a guy came to me who was battling with adultery in the gym one day. Bat and, what? Yeah, he's battling with it. He's like, yes, Pastor, I, made a, I, I had an accident. I said, you had an accident? He said, yeah, I cheated on my wife. I said, what, were you naked and you fell over onto someone else? I was like, that's not what happened. It wasn't an accident. You chose to do it. <laughs> Yeah, it's like he got out the shower. No, that's not the key, all right? Okay, let's behave. You know, what's wrong with you? Oh, my gosh. Anyway, so it was a rebellion, okay, because they chose. No, we're not going to do it God's way. We'll do it our way, right? Now, Cassie, what was... Oh, yeah, okay, I'm with you. Um, yeah. I'm sorry. You can't whisper things off the mic here, bro. Yes, see. So it was a rebellion, okay? And this was the first prophecy of Christ, okay? And the, right there in the garden, God rocks up. He's like, okay, we've got a situation. Guys, you did a bit of a boo-boo, okay? Now, your boo-boo is causing a problem for you and everyone that's going to come after you. But fear not, because I've made a way. And there, he, he talks about how the seed of the woman would be at enmity with the seed of the serpent. Yes, when he was talking to the serpent. Thanks, Grant. The seed of the serpent. That was the first prophecy of Christ, right? Now, typically when people read in the Old Testament, because God details everything that's going to happen, 
right? They confuse it with this thing that God is the one who makes it happen. Are you with me? Now, that is a principle you need to go back and read because God, just because God knows it's going to happen does not mean God is the one making it happen. God foretold of the destruction of Israel, but he was not the one who destroyed Israel. How could he be? He promised them that they are the, his, his blessed nation, his holy nation. Are you guys with me, right? So just because God knows doesn't mean God's doing it. Because everything that happens on this planet happens through the will of a human being. Amen. And when the judgment of God is coming in the second half of the tribulation, where the revelation tells us that the judgment of God is coming, the judgment of God is coming because man is no longer in authority in the earth. Satan is now in authority in the earth. The Antichrist, what they call the, the whatever, that nice description they use of him. Yes, yeah, he is, he is now in the seat of power in the earth, and God's like, good, sucker. Jesus didn't pay for your sins, boom, get it, right? Because he has to be judged, right? That's what the second half of the judgment is about. But when God spoke in the Old Testament, he knew of what was to come. Now, in Genesis 3, it was, God said, listen, your seed will be at enmity with her seed, okay? And that was, Jesus came approximately 4,000 years later, right? 4,000 years later. You read the entire Old Testament. There was this journey, man. God was in constant negotiation with men from every generation. He's like, listen, this is what I want to do. I just want to save everyone. Could you please want to be with me, please? Then Abraham's like, yeah, 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 God, I'll do it. Jesus, I'm in, you know? And God had to appeal to all these men over every generation, you know? Abraham probably wasn't the first one that God appealed to. You, you know, he was probably the one who said yes, you know what I'm saying? So across the entire, from generation to generation, until, lo and behold, a, ch a child is born unto us. Are you guys with me? And even when he was here, and we read Matthew 24, and he tells all the stories about, listen, there'll be wars and rumors of wars, and there'll be famines, and there'll be pestilence, and all these things that's going to happen, right? What he's telling to come, he's saying, I'm not going to do it. I'm letting you know that this is what's going to happen. Are you guys with me? Bash, what are you on about? I thought we were talking about the word. Yes. But as always, with every topic, we have to do a bit of a housekeeping. You know, we have to set a few things straight. Now, if the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus, right? What does that mean? In your life, ladies and gentlemen, right? What is the testimony of Jesus in your life? Now, immediately, when everyone thinks of testimony, what are you thinking of? You're thinking of something that God did for you, Right? So you're thinking of a situation, maybe a provision came through, you had a vision, you had, you know, all that sort of stuff, which is also testimony. But primarily, the number one thing is what God did for you at the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Hello? That was a good place to clap your hands. Thank you. Yeah, amen. Right? So some people, some people have like these major testimonies, like, like this, I listen to your like story, you know, and some of the stories you've told me, by the grace of God, you're alive today, because I mean, you've even been stabbed in the head with a fork, right? That was, that was hectic. Jax, if you're watching, yeah, that one was hectic, man. That was by a sibling. <laughs> um, and everyone's got these stories, you know, and like, wow, these amazing things. And then you get other people who don't really have like hectic stories, you know, all that stuff. But the principle is that we're supposed to be holding on to his story. Are you guys with me? Now, here's the thing. Where does the word come into play? A very interesting principle in the Bible. Every time prophecy was given, right? Do you know what it did? 
It set a vision. Amen? It set a vision. Now, any of you uh, over here, have you ever tried something new? Somebody wave. Anyone? Yeah, thank you. Right? Everyone say, yeah, you, you've tried vermicelli and soji and, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Rina's like a lacquer, man. <laughs> Curry everything. <laughs> now, when you, when you set off trying to do something, right, how disciplined are you when you have a vision? Compared to trying to achieve something with no idea where you're going. I don't know about you guys, but some days you feel inspiration, like, I'm just going to take this apart and rebuild it. Ooh. Then you take it apart, you're like, yo, let's just go buy another one. This thing's dead. Um, yeah, you know? Or you're like, no, I'm going to start a project. I'm going to learn something new, everything. But you haven't done the research. You haven't done the, the investigation to find out where are you going with this? What is possible with this? You know, what opportunities will this create? How will this change my life? You know what I'm saying? Will I be able to, to serve people better? You know, am I going to be someone that's going to be useful through this, right? And if you just aimlessly go about it, how quickly do you lose your motivation for it? Hello? You ever started something and you had no vision, no goal, and then you're like, nah, three days later, I'm not heading anywhere. Let me just carry on, right? But when that vision is set and you know, hey, this is it. This is where I'm going. How disciplined are you? How focused are you? Let's, let's take uh, diet and, and gym and weight loss, all that stuff. That's probably the most easiest thing. If you know you've got to be 15 kilograms down. Geez, that's a lot. Yeah. Sorry. Maybe like five. You've got to be five kilograms down, right? And you know your target weight is like five kilograms less. After that first week, you one down. You're like, yeah, let's go. When you hit that five, you're like, woo, this is good. Let me stay here. It's going to be cool, right? But... If you just make this decision, I'm going to lose weight. And someone says to you, but how much? Nah. I don't know. I'll see how it goes. You know? Two days later, you lose 300 grams. Like, ah, I did well. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you laughing, Kaylin? Have you had that, ex that experience? <laughs> are you guys following what I'm saying? Right? Do you know that the Bible is meant to be our vision for life? Listen carefully to what I'm saying. Because you see, you as a child of God, if you do not have a vision of what that implementation, that walking out needs to be, you'll never have the commitment to continue in it. Hello? You'll actually die. Yeah. Because that's what the scripture says. It says a man without vision perishes. What is that vision, family? This is what we're talking about. You know that it's so easy um, to be put into the promised land. And you can walk around dwelling in the promised land aimlessly without the promise inside you. And this is where that tension between us and God comes into play. Is God in control of this or am I in control of this? How do I do this? Has God done that? Are you with me? That's the thing that cripples a lot of, a lot of Christians. Yeah. But the thing is clear. It's very clear. Your job is to be diligent with the promise. My job is to be diligent with the promise. Are you with me? So that, that lessens the gap between what is God's duty and what is my duty. God's done his duty. The prophetic vision of Jesus Christ has been played out. We know the end of the story. We know what he's already accomplished. That's it. But what are we doing with that promise? What are we doing with that vision? Are we doing the due diligence to keep that vision alive in our hearts? 
Or are we just nonchalantly playing church? Are we getting up every day as Christians and maybe reading the Bible, yeah, maybe going to church twice on a, in a month? Are we do, and you think that that is diligence to keep your flesh in line? No way, Jose. Is there a Jose in the building? I, I checked, I checked. There's no, there's no. <laughs> no way. Are you with me, family? It is your job to take the reins of that vision. Exactly. The vision has been cast. The CEO of your life has already determined everything. And he says, now, take it, be responsible with it, and re receive it, and bring it out in your life. Amen. 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 He's already done it. But are you doing your part? Like we said this morning, we can't be one denominational thinkers. We can't be linear thinkers. Uh, everything's going okay with my job and my career, but my family's falling apart. Or, you know, um, I've got the money thing down and I give and I'm, and I'm a generous person, but I'm as miserable as a, I don't know what you want to say, but are you with me? We, it's our job. We have to take the reins of the vision. Yeah. It's already been cast. It's already been given. It's a yes. It's an, it's an amen. So be it. You got to take it and you got to work it out of your heart. That's it. Exactly. What's the use of walking around in the promised land without the promiser in your heart? Yeah. Amen. Amen. I'm telling you, you'll walk around the mountain in the promised land. Instead of looking at the view from the top. <laughs> exactly. We will do that, and guess what? Eventually, because the Bible says that a man with no vision, a man who's not diligent about the promise of God in him, he's not diligent about uh, connecting with God on a daily basis, this is what you have said about me. This is what you said is mine. I am an heir to this. I am an heir to that. I am an heir to this. Now, Lord... Show me, step by step, every day. That's holding the reins. Yes. You can't be loose. Amen? You can't be loose. It doesn't work. You can't be lazy with the vision of God. It doesn't work. And you can't be a bloody sissy either. This is not for wet. It's an old 80s term. I don't know if you still use it. Llewellyn does. I hear him use it sometimes. This is not for wets. Uncle Frank, you see he's laughing. He knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's not for wets. This is for men and real women of God. Amen? That's it. You got the spiritual chutzpah. <laughs> Turn to the person next to you and say chutzpah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like deliverance service. Are you with me? You gotta have the chutzpah to bring the vision out of you. You can't sit there and say, oh, well, you know what? The Holy Spirit's gonna make it happen. Do you know we've got two extremes in the church? You've got the, you've got the Presbyterians, which come from the Calvinists, and one of the, whatever the, the, the Calvinists saying, who believe in the total, absolute sovereignty of God, okay, they say, Whatever will be, will be. This too shall pass. Sera, sera, whatever. 
Sounds so lacquer. And they think that's rest. That's not rest. That's, that's uncertainty. <laughs> Whenever there's uncertainty, there's fear. You can't just sit there with no vision and say, oh yeah, but Sarah, Sarah, whatever God brings around, he brings it in his own time. I sound like Nathaniel there, but anyway. <laughs> are you with me? You got... What do you do? <laughs> are you with me, guys? You got to have the chutzpah to take the vision, bring it alive in your heart, even when you feel it dying. It's your job to revive it. God can't do anything else for you, please, man. Please, think about it. <laughs> and we have the other extreme. The other extreme is... You've got to do something to get God to move. That's the other extreme. Yeah. No. God's right smack bang in the middle there. Forget about your extremes. He says, I'm with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm casting the vision. This is the prophetic vision. You have everything that my son now owns. Now, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? Come on, I'm, I'm challenging you. What are you going to do with the promise inside you? Aren't you sick and tired of going around the mountain in those certain parts of your life? I mean, how long will it take before you get to the end of yourself? What must it take, family, before we will wake up and stand up like men and women, like giants on this earth? Yeah. What is it going to take? I'm telling you right now, there was a, 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 you want to hear a perfect example of how pathetic the body of Christ can be? Let me tell you something. At Jess's school last week, a 12-year-old committed suicide at school. Now listen to this. 12. 12 years old, this young man, everybody thought he had choked or something until they read that he, realized he had a, 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 a suicide note. He had a suicide note, and in his suicide note, he said that, you know, um, there was issues with his dad, am I correct? And, and all these other, other things. And uh, he took his own life. Now, they're all devastated. Now the staff is crying and they're devastated. Quite rightly so. We've just lost a young human being. We've just lost the potential of a child of God who could have fulfilled his vision that Christ gave him. Are you with me? So guess what the outcome is? It's a good outcome because now all the staff has sat back and realized, hold on a second, we were founded on Christian principles and we are going to bring Christ back into the school. Isn't that amazing? Hello. It is amazing, but it is so sad that it has to take death of a 12-year-old for Christians to be able to take control of the vision and the life and the purpose and the stuff that Jesus has died for us to have. Why does it have to be an extreme thing before we stand up and say, no, I won't tolerate this in my life anymore? Exactly. Why? Ask yourself this question. Why do you have to put yourself through the mill before you swallow the gospel? Are you, why? Why do we do that to ourselves? Because, like this young man said about two weeks ago, he said, we do not fear the consequences of the flesh. We don't fear it. We play with it. Come on, you know. You know what I'm talking about. Play with the flesh. We just keep it there. Just over there. Like God can't see it. 
<laughs> you know, say, so it's just over there. It's not really, yeah, but it's over there. <laughs> God, I'm with you. We're doing this thing. And then maybe you burn yourself out, you get tired. Maybe you do certain things you shouldn't have and you take your focus off the prophetic vision. And guess what? That disconnection there is death. The word death is a continuum. It's not just dying, losing oxygen. It's a state, yeah. It's a state. Death in your mind, death in your relationships, death in your finances, death in every part of you. Yeah. Because you haven't done your share. This is not a message of works, family. This is a message of management, stewardship of what God's work has already given you. Amen. Amen? Yeah. There's no excuses for us. What's the excuse? I want to know. Can somebody tell me? Let's be real. Let's be free. Throw it out there. Uh, what, what excuse did Jesus not pay the price for? Exactly. Grant, you got one. <laughs> Come on. Sheldon, you have one. Oh. <laughs> Good question. Good point. So, so Sheldon's asking, he's like, okay, Grace Church, right? We're supposed to be hearing about everything Jesus has done, right? So why then are we hearing about what I must do, what I must do, what I must do? Anyone else feeling that same way this morning? It's very easy to feel like that. That's a good question, right? And the truth is, is that the focus is not on you. The focus is on Christ in you. See, the thing is this, right? And I was about to make, I was about to make this comment when, when, when you, were, you were carrying on, is that you know, an easier sermon would be on a Sunday is we just sit here and say, listen, stop doing all your bad things. Wow, easier than what we're saying now. Because now we're saying this is not about performance. It's not about forgiveness. It's not about being righteous. It's not about anything like that. You know what I'm saying? So, so one second. So, so typically, this, this message comes across in the sense that, hey, listen, you got to do this to get forgiveness, to get favor, you know, to get all these things, right? But what we are saying is that the vision God has given us has not got to do with us. It's got to do with us in Christ. Are you with me? So the principle is this, is this now is like, okay, this is not about fixing bad me. Bad me died. This is about growing in new me. And new me is in Christ. So for example, let's take, let's take an example, right? So if we go into the Bible, right, and we say, okay, cool, what are all the New Testament realities, right? What, what is now the realities of the child of God after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, right? And it goes in there and it says, listen, you are, you are God's masterpiece. You have not been given a spirit of fear. You know, all these amazing things. You are righteous. You are set apart. You are holy, sanctified. All these beautiful New Testament realities, right? At what point do we just look at that and say, wow, that's nice? At what point do we measure and say, listen, is that a reality in my heart? Exactly. Because you see, if we don't do that, we're still in the dead view. 
we're still in the flesh. So it's got nothing to do about being self-focused because self-focused is not biblical. It is the key to corruption. That's what the flesh is, right? But focusing on Christ in me and understanding that, listen, when the Bible says that as he is, so am I, therefore, the state that he is now, I should be experiencing. If I'm not experiencing that, what do I do? You understand what I'm saying? Because this is now how, when Paul says, listen, when we behold Christ, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, I think, is it? 2 Corinthians, what? 2 Corinthians 3. As we behold Christ as in a mirror. What verse is it, Ronnie? As he finds us, right? We are being transformed into his image from glory to glory. You see, there is, there is this process that we are still uh, in charge of because God is saying, listen, what I've placed in you now, experience that. Make this your new reality, not the old you that you knew. So this is not about hacking at the old you. The old you is dead. This is about going on the journey to discover who am I in Christ now. It's not about saying, I need to stop this. I need to stop. I need to stop. Because like even now what you were saying, that emphasis, why do we wait for death? We're waiting for death and serious consequences is because apathy is a characteristic of the flesh. The flesh doesn't create, it just corrupts. It just destroys. Are you with me? So when we're waiting for chaos before we can be on the front foot to change something or to build or to correct, right? If we have no, no, no vision or no foresight or preemption, right? We're in the flesh because we're like, no, I'm just comfortable in the space. It's chilled. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? Did you find it, boys? No, that's still on. Uh, oh, that's Joshua. Oh, you still? Oh, you got it. Yeah, look, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, or behold, and are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is spirit, right? Now, this transformation process, Paul expounds on it in Romans 12. What did he say? He says, there's something you need to do to experience transformation. What is it? Romans 12, 2. Be not conformed. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Okay, now if we are just to look to Jesus and not do anything else, he would have stopped there. But he says what? By the renewing of your mind. So then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Are you guys with me? It's making more sense than what I'm saying. Because at the end of the day, Jesus is not saying fix your flesh. He's saying your flesh is dead. You're alive in me now. Now that you're alive in me, you need to change the way you are thinking. You need to change the way you're looking at things. You need to change the definitions that you're holding. 100%. But you see, yeah. you see what Sheldon's... Uh, it's so important that he brought that yes, up. Yes, absolutely. Because yeah. a lot of people um, find themselves in either of the extremes. Because we were all so abused under the law and we were told every Sunday, if you don't perform, you don't get from God. If you don't do, God doesn't move. Then you come out from do good, get good, uh, do bad, get beat. You come out of that lie, which is legalism mm. and works. Then you come into uh, um, uh, inheritance, which is grace. Okay, So you come into the finished work of Jesus. So now what happens is people come from that extreme that if I don't move, God doesn't move. Then they come into this extreme that Jesus has done everything, so I don't have to move. So that's a part of the growth process, and that's why you're feeling like it. But it's good. 
Because now what's going to happen is you're going to come from that and you're going to come straight back into the middle and you're going to know this is not about what I do. This is about how I steward what he has done. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So exactly what you're feeling. I, I was there 10 years ago. Yeah. 10 years ago, I was like, yes, you know what? They put me under so much works. Don't you ever preach a works message to me again. <laughs> then, I got, then I went into, into grace and I was like, wow, flip, God's done everything. And then I realized that, you know, my father's yacht is lacquer. My father's yacht has got everything, but it's stuck in the harbor. The view's not changing. I'm sitting on this lacquer five million rand yacht, but I still just see the harbor. Then I realized, now hold on a second, I've got this lacquer yacht. I've got to get up there, open the sails, and let's go, baby. Yeah. Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? I get exactly what you're feeling, and I'm glad you're honest about it. Yeah. But this is the process that every Christian has to go through when they have been abused and used by legalism in church. But listen, if you don't work that out in your heart, you're going to be stuck in either one of those extremes. And you will not experience everything that Christ has given you. You will go to heaven, brother, sister. But you will live like you're in hell. Because you will constantly feel like you're missing out. FOMO is a terrible thing. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Does that make sense to you guys? Thank you for that question. That was that opened up a whole lot. And it and unfortunately in the body of Christ, that 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 scenario there is prevalent everywhere. And you know the thing is, I mean, we were there. I mean, we were in grace like so long, like, whoo, yeah, this is cool. God, we Jesus. And you know the key is this, and the key, and this is important that we need to talk about, is that the key through this entire process is experiencing God. You have to, because here's the thing, right? Because the second Corinthians three, right, it said that when we behold him. Then the transformation comes. So what happens is, is that when you're experiencing God, this is, this is not like how it was before in the performance message. Because the performance message, there was no God. It was just you making sure you're right. Okay? That was it, right? But now, when you, when you come over here and you be found in Christ, you realize we're restored to our initial purpose with God, which is relationship. Right? There was no performance when God created Adam and Eve. It wasn't. They walked in the cool of the day, they fellowshiped, God taught them about life. And you start moving into this, you know, uh, um, experiencing God, you start studying the word, and you'd be like, wow, this is who God is. This, is. this is who the Bible says I am. This is what Jesus accomplished. This is what my inheritance in him is, right? And what takes place as you're going along in this process and you're being diligent in, in, in studying the word and spending time with God, what happens is now you start to experience his nature, you start experiencing his nature. You're like, Jesse, but God is love. God is patient. God is kind. Are you with me? God is righteous. God is holy. All these things. And what then starts tending to happen is like, you know what? I've got to move towards that. Because so much of what I understand, so much of how I perceive, so much of, of my viewpoints is still stuck in old me. It's still stuck in old me. I'm just doing it because my Oma said I must do it like that. Are you with me? But God is saying, come to my kingdom. Come to what life is. That's why Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and the life. Are you guys with me? But the thing is this, is that Christ finished his work, right? The kingdom is inside every single one of us as a believer, right? 
But why is it then that some um, experience the kingdom more than others? Who is it on? Exactly. It's not on God. Jesus didn't die more for one person than he did someone else. Death is death. Are you with me? He wasn't raised to life more for one person than he was raised to life. Are you with me? So therefore, if someone is experiencing the kingdom of God more than another person, consequently, it is on the individual who is appropriating it. You see what I'm saying? Just like we touched this morning on the money thing and last week uh, when I spoke about the confidence, you know the confidence in mammon, right? Someone who has confidence in God versus someone who has confidence in mammon lives life totally differently, completely. And it has completely different lenses of how it looks at things, right? But someone who comes over and says, listen, I want nothing to do with that. I want it all God's way. In time, it produces a harvest that nothing else in life can produce. It will produce a blessing that nothing else in life can produce. But it takes our choice to go that way, guys. Just like how God couldn't save you. You couldn't receive salvation without you choosing to believe in Jesus. Like, there's people who believe that because Jesus, um, uh, what he did at the cross, everyone's saved now. Don't worry. You know, we're all saved. No. If you believe, you're saved. Are you with me? It's no different with every principle in the kingdom after that. It all starts with belief. So through belief, you became in Christ, right? You were, you were born again. Therefore, through belief, you continue experiencing Christ. Because there's still beliefs that we have that we need to change because our beliefs before were self-centered. Now we shift our beliefs to a Christ-centered belief. Are you guys with me? If we're not doing that, then, like Corinthians says, uh, was it Corinthians? Yeah. Where Paul talks about that day, you know, uh, when, uh, when everything will be burnt up, you know, all, all our works and stuff. The, the wood, the hay, the straw, but only the gold, silver, and precious stone will remain. He even says, he's like, don't worry about salvation. Guys. Salvation is taken care of. It's fine. It is finished. Right? But be diligent that now in this life, while you are here, that the fullness of God is a reality in your life. Not trying to earn it, not trying to deserve it, not trying to avoid judgment, not trying to be righteous, no, but changing your perspective to the state that you are in now, and that is in Christ, not the state that you were in Adam. Are you guys with me? Amen. Let's close with this verse here. It says in uh, Romans 6.14, For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. Grace is the ability of God. To keep the vision alive in your heart. Law is you losing the vision because you're trying to get it in your own ability. Amen? Paul also says, do not allow grace to become an opportunity for licentiousness. Licentiousness is not just sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Licentiousness is a life where you are not holding the reins of the vision. It's not smoking, drinking, and all that stuff. Those are the roots of somebody who lets the flesh slide. Amen? Who, let the, who lets the vision slide. That's what he's saying. Amen. So we're in the new covenant. We're under grace. And God's ability is there. But if you don't read Jesus' red letter words, you're going to get confused. Because everything Jesus came to teach about the kingdom is underpinned by your responsibility of being a steward of it. 
Maybe that's the journey we should go on. We should go into the parables, we should read the red letters, and we can bring a balance back to it. Yep. That could be a good one too. Amen? Amen. Let's yeah. give God a big shout of praise. So, so before you guys go, I'm going to leave you with homework this week, right? So we spoke about having the vision. Two things you go and do this week, right? Number one, right? And everyone has Google. Go and Google. What are the names of God in the Bible? Okay? Then you go write them all down and ask yourself, okay, God says he's the healer. Is he healer in my heart? God says he's the provider. Is he provider in my heart? Amen? God says he is my righteousness. He makes me holy. All the things God says he is to us. Write it down. Go look at the scripture where he, he made his names known. And ask yourself in your heart, is God this to me? If he's not, change your belief. Change it. Make the decision to say, you know what, Lord, I see here, you're not my provider. I know I've got my, 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 my hopes and my trust in my salary and my, my investments and, you know, my, all this stuff. Change. Shift your belief in line with God's truth. Part two, go and search New Testament realities in the Bible and you'll see it'll all come from the epistles because they were the ones who expounded on it, right? And go right down. You're righteous. You're holy. You're sanctified. You are in Christ. You are a masterpiece. Write down all of these things, guys, and test what you have in your heart. Because if you don't get to this practical level of comparing what's in the word to what's in your heart, how then do you put in the right belief? It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm listening to sermons. Okay, that's, I love it. Listen. But at what point do you go personally and say, right, okay, the pastor made this one statement here that didn't make me feel nice. But it's in the word. Let me go read it in the word. Obviously, I don't have this in my heart. You having authority over your own heart, change it. Don't be like Pharaoh and say, ask me tomorrow if I can take the toads away. Take the toads today. Are you guys with me? Be diligent. Listen, Jesus took all the sorrow. He took all the lack. He took all the pain, the suffering, the shame, the guilt, the condemnation, the sickness, the disease, the weakness. He took everything. If it's still in our lives, it's because we're delaying here, guys. He's not going to do it again. You know that song? I believe you do it again. What's that elevation song? Oh, oh that know. terrible song. Eh? I've seen you move the mountains. And then whatever. Meanwhile, he said it's finished. He's like, I'll do it again. Imagine Jesus before he died. I'll do it again. Wow. <laughs> no, he's like, it's finished. <laughs> Amen. Come on, give God a praise. Did he? You can't close in prayer after that. Every head bowed, every eye closed. It wasn't that funny, man. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> yeah. I'll do it again. Yeah. Father, we thank you that you are so good. We thank you so much, Lord, that you are the light and you came to us while we were in the darkness, Father. We thank you that we, you have given us an exit point. Nothing else in this world could have given us an exit point from the corruption of the flesh and the, the prison of sin, Lord. But we thank you that you came and made a way, that you came and paid the price for us, Lord Jesus. This morning we acknowledge, Lord, that we are one spirit with you, Lord, that we are a new creation. We ask, Holy Spirit, right now, as we open up our hearts to you, strengthen this vision in our hearts, Holy Spirit. Lead us day by day, Holy Spirit, to, to complete this picture more and more, to increase our understanding and the knowledge of what Jesus has accomplished for us, Holy Spirit. 
As scripture says, Holy Spirit, we're asking you to take us by the hand so that we can inherit and experience every single promise that you've given to us, Lord, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.